Welcome to Evolve to Succeed, the podcast that brings together entrepreneurs, founders, business leaders, and experts to talk about their journeys and explore the link between personal and business success. I'm your host, Juan Munson, founder of Evolve, a coaching, training, and development company focused on enabling business and personal success and creating a community of like-minded individuals. Whether that be through our peer groups, one-to-one coaching, our training and development programs for you and your teams, or through our content and events, our mission is to get the best out of each individual and inspire them to be better both in life and in business. If you want to learn more about Evolve, including our beautiful co-working space in Ashley Cross in Paul, then please go to evolvemembers.com where you'll find great content, insights, details of all of our services and also information on our forthcoming events. For now though, let's get on with the show. This week, I'm going to have a look at a few of the articles and insights that we've recently uploaded to the Evolve website. It's something I like to do every so often on the podcast because we're always striving to and do put out content that both informs and inspires, but also that should provoke discussion and thought around important topics and issues for us as business leaders. If you want to gain access to that content and see the written content, then please do go to evolvemembers.com. The complimentary membership that you can register there for for free also gets you a weekly insights newsletter containing links to these articles to your desk every week. There are four pieces I want to look at today. The first is entitled Three Ways to Use Fear to Your Advantage. The second is about the dangers of using your job title as your identity. The third is written by Paul Spears, a recent podcast guest, and is entitled Where do old entrepreneurs go to thrive? The final article, Know Your Limits, is by James Pickles, and it's really one that you want to wait for. So let's begin. Three Ways to Use Fear to Your Advantage is written by our very own Evolve content writer, Oliver. And it looks at how much of a role does fear play in our decision making and how does our attitude towards it form a real factor and influence in our outcomes, especially as entrepreneurs, business owners and leaders. Fear, of course, is something we can't avoid, nor should we. As Oliver says, fear is primarily there to stop and make us think before we do something risky or stupid, which as someone who broke his collarbone twice in two separate cycling crashes in a matter of months is probably something I need to take more notice of. So yes, fear is very beneficial as an instinct in that it protects us from harm and can also help us think fast to get out of risky and sticky situations. However, there is also no doubt that fear can hold us back from leading more vibrant and fulfilling lives. In my experience, it's often the things that get those butterflies fluttering in our stomachs that turn out to be some of the most profound and memorable events in our lives. Perhaps just think when you've had that feeling in your stomach. What was the event? What was the outcome? Was it one of those memorable moments? Whether that's through some form of risky physical activity, the overwhelmingness of the birth of your child, or that moment you decided to leave your stable job and start your business, that feeling of fear, of anticipation for the unknown, is something, whether we know it or not at the time, has the potential to change us in deep and profound ways and really accelerate our personal growth and our understanding of ourselves. 
Thinking back now, as I've said, do you recall those feelings when you first started your business or when you changed your career? That heady mixture of excitement and fear and the realisation that you are actually doing it, that come hell or high water, you are on the path to achieving those things you'd been dreaming of for such a long time. I certainly do, and it's a time I often look back with with great fondness and a certain kind of nostalgia. That's the power of fear and of overcoming it, which is the really important thing. Or maybe a better way of putting it is less about overcoming fear and more about working in harmony with it. Oliver writes, if you're an entrepreneur, you're familiar with fear. Fear of plunging into the unknown. Fear of not being able to pay your mortgage and support your family. And ultimately, fear of failure. However, if everyone used those fears as a reason not to try something, nothing great would ever happen. The key is to work with fear. Transform its powers into something you can use to excel and achieve the things you set out in your mind to do. His first method for using fear to your advantage is to remind yourself who you don't want to be. He begins by saying that the thing that drives most success-minded people is not the money or the lifestyle or the public recognition, but rather that thought they might one day look back on their lives and realise they didn't fulfil their potential. In many instances, it's fear that stops us from achieving all that we could, which of course leads to regret. Oliver remarks what a great driver this realisation can be. He writes... The next time you feel fearful about taking on a challenge, whether it's a business-related one or something like a marathon or a cycle through the Alps, think about how you would feel years from now having not followed through. The future idea that you sold yourself short and didn't experience something transformative because of some fear about the outcome. This is a really strong motivator. The second thing we can do is turn fear into our favour is to be accountable to your commitments. If you're a regular listener to this podcast, you'll know that accountability is another favourite subject of mine. I really believe that stating your intentions and ambitions among a group of peers and like-minded individuals and then having to prove you've followed up upon those actions and ideas is a fantastic way to stave off procrastination and accelerate your ambitions. This accountability is, of course, a large part of what being involved in one of Evolve's peer groups is all about or being part of our new peer community. So if you haven't yet had a look at what our peer groups and our communities offer, then please take a look at our website, evolvemembers.com, and come and try for free. Going back to using accountability to leverage your fear, Oliver concludes with this paragraph. A sure marker of success is to be consistently learning and improving. If you look back 10 years from now and you're still pretty much the same person you were then, something is wrong. By outwardly sharing your intentions for now and the future, you're forced to pursue your purpose because if you don't, you'll be letting others down too. Sure, this takes discipline and resilience, but the alternative, that of a life half-lived, is far more painful. I think these are very insightful and thought-provoking words and perhaps could also be described as having a growth mindset. The last way to work positively with fear is to remind yourself that most of the time it's never as scary as you imagined. I think this is something we can all relate to. We spend so much time in our worlds thinking with our hands over our heads 
imagining outcomes, fretting about things and worrying about things that haven't happened yet and may never happen. And all of this overthinking can stunt our growth. Look back on those occasions you felt scared about doing something. Was it really as bad as you built it up to be? Most of the time, the answer is going to be no. What's more likely, as Oliver says, is that you emerged alive and well from whatever that thing was that you were fearful of and learned a great deal about your character and become a more confident and resilient person ready to face the next challenge. The second article I want to take you through today is by one of our regular contributors and a former guest on the Evolve to Succeed podcast, Ollie Phillips. Ollie is the founder of Optimist Performance, a team building leadership skills and personal development company. Before that, he had a highly successful career in rugby sevens, including being captain of the English team. However, he had to retire from his sport in his early 30s due to injury and for a time was left wondering what to do with the rest of his life. For such a long time, being a rugby player had been his identity, his way of introducing himself to others, but now that was gone. As mentioned, Ollie has since gone on to found and run a successful company and also have a successful corporate career. But if anyone has the insight to write about the dangers of using your job title as your identity, it's him. He begins the article by taking us through and talking about how, shortly after a time from rugby, he used to introduce himself to people with the words, Hi, I'm Ollie. I used to play rugby. He states that during that period, he didn't know who he was any longer or what to do next. There's a term psychologists use when the boundaries between a person and their job become blurred. It's called immersement, and it's really unhealthy. Ollie writes, People who identify themselves solely by their careers tend to work longer hours, have difficulties disconnecting from work, and end up being available 24-7 or even while on holiday. All these in turn will cause burnout, lack of work-life balance, and even mental health problems. Does any of this sound familiar to you? I have to say it resonated with me. Frankly, I think it's something we're all guilty of from some degree or another, or at some point in our business journeys. We tend to tie both our sense of identity and self-worth to our job title and our career. I think to some extent this is natural and even beneficial. But as Ollie points out, life can be unpredictable. A sudden disruption can upend our lives and cause us to close our company or lose our jobs. This recent pandemic is pertinent an example how swiftly and easily something like this can occur. So ask yourself, what are you left with should this happen? If you're no longer founder, entrepreneur, CEO or MD, who are you? Another thing that can happen is that you might spend years as a certain job performing a certain role and you decide that you don't enjoy it anymore. You want to move in a new direction but you don't know where to start or even what that new direction is because your identity is so tied up with your job and your role. In the article, Ollie asks six questions that can help you gauge how much of your identity is immersed with your job title. They are, how much do you think about your job outside of the office? How do you describe yourself? Where do you spend most of your time? 
Do you have hobbies outside of work? How would you feel if you can no longer continue in your profession? And lastly, are you fully present outside of your profession? I really love that final question. And again, one that we should all relate to in some way or another. I've said time and time again, being present in whatever you're doing is one of the most important things in life. Ollie then goes on to offer a few simple things you can do if you feel like yourself and your dog title are too entwined. Namely, making more time for yourself, re-evaluating your beliefs and what's important to you, trying new things and perhaps most importantly, focusing on your personal relationships. Ollie concludes with this. We are so much more than what we do and we have the ability to reinvent ourselves as many times as we want. I certainly understand how difficult it can be to change the way we identify ourselves, but I also know that it's possible because I've gone through it myself. How does this idea sit with you? From a founder and business owner's perspective, there's no doubt that our work forms a large part of who we are and how we identify and define ourselves. But what if, as Oli says, that all had to change? Who or what are you left with then? Would you recognise him or her? And would you be alright with who and what you see? Something to think about. The third piece I want to look at with you today is by Paul Spears, founder of the new PL Brand Purpose Institute and host of the New Principles and Leadership in Business podcast series. I had the great pleasure of chatting to Paul on a recent episode of this very podcast and was really buoyed and inspired by his attitudes and insights into principled business practices and good leadership. I promise you it's a really great episode and if you haven't yet had a listen, I urge you to do so. For us, he's written an interesting piece titled Where Do Old Entrepreneurs Go to Thrive? Paul starts with this. Last year I turned 50, something that surprised me on so many levels. But perhaps most surprising of all for me is that after 30 years of working, I've lost none of my love for new ideas and entrepreneurial drive. But after a few conversations with a number of people over recent weeks, it got me thinking, what does it mean to be an entrepreneur at 50 and how can we thrive? Paul writes about the various roles he's filled over the course of his working life from marketing and communications, reputation management and business development, to founding a surfwear brand in his native New Zealand, and taking on senior roles in various creative and commercial roles here in the UK. He remarks that despite all of this experience, and despite knowing some people not much older than him already dialing back their businesses and thinking about retirement, he's still full of ideas, still alert for the next exciting business adventure. In short, Paul still feels as if he hasn't fulfilled all of his potential yet. And I think that's a wonderful position to be in and a great attitude to have towards life. He says he's aware that he's not the only one who feels this way, that he knows other individuals, mostly entrepreneurs, founders and leaders, who share that same insatiable passion. I hope, dear listener, that you're one of those. Paul is happy to feel the way he does, but according to him, the idea of the 50, 60 or even 70 year old chasing yet another startup idea is unusual. Of this conundrum he writes, the market expects me 
i.e. with startup idea in hand, to be 25 or maybe 35 tops, certainly not 50. But why should that be? As he rightly points out, the seasoned 50-year-old entrepreneur has already made loads of mistakes and honed his skills, so reason suggests this is exactly the best time to start a new business. He says the argument against this may be the sheer amount of energy and long hours required to start a new business may no longer be in the 50-year-old's repertoire. That may be true in some ways, but of those 80-hour weeks, he writes, I get that, but some of those 80 hours a week is making mistakes and learning from them, understanding how to get the business right. So in fact, the very same learnings many of us have experienced and benefited from by the time we are at least 50. I must say this is a very unusual article and probably the first I've read of its kind. I never really thought about how a 50, 60 or 70 year old with startup idea in hand might be perceived. It's an interesting thought in the modern world. I think that Paul wants to make it clear in his article is that you're never too old to be an entrepreneur and start your own business. And isn't that a great thing? Isn't it wonderful to think about the same drive, passion and focus that inspired us to start our first businesses when we perhaps were in our 20s or 30s can still be there despite the fact that now, as Paul remarks, we might fall asleep on the public transport more often than we used to. Entrepreneurs are ultimately believers, he concludes. They believe a real difference can be made, that there is a real value in ideas and creativity and that tomorrow will always be better than today or if not tomorrow, then the day after. I couldn't agree. I want to wrap up this podcast with a short review of the last article. Not because it's less important, but because the opposite is in fact true. I want to make it brief because I'd rather you spend some time today to really think about what the author of the next article has to say. James Pickles was a recent guest of mine on the podcast and of all our guests he spoke most openly and honestly than anyone else he spoke admirably and with such brutal honesty about his severe emotional and physical breakdown he experienced in march 2019 the breakdown left him unable to speak let alone work and it was only through therapy and working with a life coach that he got his life back on track and he has now become a coach himself focusing in particular on the issues with burnout. This podcast has proved to be one of our most popular and the high listenership is both positive and a little unsettling. And I say unsettling because how many of us, including myself, listened to that podcast, heard James talking about all of the unrelating hours he was putting in under the guise of being this super successful and productive individual, while in the background he simply wasn't coping with all the strains and pressures he was under, until one day he finally cracked. How many of us were listening to that thinking, yeah, all but by the grace of God, that could have been me? Or, I felt like that at times. James's article is entitled Know Your Limits, and it's an important piece about knowing when enough is enough, and the importance of protecting yourself against burnout, because the fallout of overwork and a breakdown like James's not only has a heavy impact on you, it affects everyone around you. Most importantly, your family and the ones you love. It's been a really tough 18 months or so for us all. And as a business owner, 
we've really had to carry some huge burdens. It is the business leaders of this world that have had lots of plates to juggle. And as leaders trying to maintain a brave face and say everything is fine, I'm fine. But there were times when you weren't fine. None of us were. Be honest with yourself. And what's vital is to understand that's okay. It's okay to be overwhelmed and to feel like the pressure is getting too much. And when it does, stop. Stop and talk about it with someone. Don't be afraid to take time off. Even if it's just for a day or two. Just to get outside and recharge your batteries. As hard as I know it can be, it's really important to completely remove yourself from your business sometimes. And this even relates back to Ollie Phillips' piece about your personal and professional life being dangerously entwined. Don't let it happen. Know when enough is enough. If you haven't listened to the podcast with James, go and have a listen now, please. And if you have listened to it, why not listen to it again? I'm not saying this just to get our listening numbers up. I'm saying it because his message is really important and James was so unafraid to reveal just how bad things had got for him. James concludes his article with this sentiment. I need to remember that what I want and what I need aren't always the same thing and it's much more sustainable for me to operate just under rather than way over my limits. I've had to learn what my current limits are, learn to spot the signs that I'm approaching the red zone and learn to remember to do something about it or at least be conscious if I choose not to. I need to help to learn this stuff and I need help to remember it. And with that important message, I bring this special podcast article episode to an end. But remember, do go to subscribe, be part of our community and seek further insights and articles at evolvemembers.com. Thank you for listening.